Hi, TopCast listeners. Before we start, we want to tell you about an upcoming episode that we're planning. We would like to collect some of your thoughts about how to make sense of 2022 and prepare for 2023 in our field. These can be in the form of aspirations, predictions, reflections, or even just observations. We would love it if you would organize your thoughts in writing and then record them in your very own voice. 30 seconds or less would be awesome. Our first Monday episode for December 2022 will feature some of these insights in your voices, along with our reactions. More details are in the show notes, but if you're interested, please contact us via email at topcast at ucf.edu. That's topcast at ucf.edu. Now, here's the show. When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I am Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin, you kind of went into your NPR voice there I know. for a second. <laughs> I, know. I was like, which way is this going? Is it going to be is it going to be exciting? Or is it going to be let's let's relax. Let's think deep yeah. thoughts. Welcome to Fresh Air. That's right. Terry Gross. Terry Gross. That's yeah. right. She's a great interviewer. She is. I need to go back and you know, I I, I used to listen to um to her do those interviews a lot and you know how you go through phases. I just I just haven't uh I just don't have her queued up, right? And uh I, but she is she's wonderful. And then uh, I heard Mark Marin interview her once, and it was great. You know, it was just like it was like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I get to interview you. Well, you know, she does what we aspire to do, which is sort of make the interviews very conversational and mm-hmm. not okay. Here's question one. Here's question mm-hmm. two. I have these agenda talking points I have to get to. But no, it's just sort of hey, you're an interesting person, and you have interesting things to say. So let's have a conversation. That's that's right. That's right. I. I'm going to hazard a guess that uh, she probably does it better. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a safe bet. But you know what she doesn't have that we do? What is that, Tom? That is coffee. Oh! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what coffee do we have today? What's in the thermos, Dr. Thompson? Well, today's coffee, Dr. Kavanaugh, is a single origin Java, as in from Indonesia, Java, from Equator Coffees in the Bay Area of California. Now. I've had coffees from Equator before, and I don't really remember, but possibly you have to. <laughs> um, but I didn't really know the story behind their name. Equator was originally chosen to draw attention to the equatorial regions where coffee tends to thrive. But the team now says that the symbolism of the global equator has come to represent, quote, the path around the planet that connects us all, unquote. The path around the planet that connects us all. Equator coffees. Uh, this is, a, I thought, a really, really nice cup of coffee, this Java. Uh, and then I thought that the idea of connecting us all might be an appropriate theme, touch point for today's topic. So what do you think of the coffee? What do you think of my attempt at a connection? Um, I do like the coffee as well. It's very good. And I get the, I get the connection. You know, it's sort of... 
it is connecting. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. connecting connection. Yes, I connect. Yes. How very meta of you. <laughs> connecting yeah. connection, yes, which is a whole lot better than the disconnected connections that I sometimes <laughs> come up with at the beginning hey, of the show. <laughs> look, you know, they can't all be, you know, home runs. Sometimes a solid single is all you need. <laughs> sometimes the batter gets hit with the pitch. And <laughs> sometimes you got to guard him off the field. It's all right. <laughs> It's all in the game. Yeah, at least you're up at bat. Yeah, I guess. I guess. So you want to you want to tell our listeners what broadly we're going to talk about today? Yes, we are. We are talking about the broad connection that is the Chloe Seven report, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. has just recently been released. And Chloe Seven, the title for this one this year is is tracking online learning from mainstream acceptance to universal adoption. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you may recall, we've um, we've talked about Chloe in the past. We mm-hmm. talked about Chloe six last year back in episode ninety three. A more generalized perspective, reflections on the Chloe six report. And I guess we should probably give a reminder mm-hmm. on what Chloe is. It's a it's kind of a an ongoing series of reports that um, that solicit feedback from chief online learning officers, but it's also an acronym. Uh, it's the changing landscape of online education, C-H-L-O-E, Chloe. So that's been going on, what, since 2017? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what we're going to talk about today. So that's our, our connection mm-hmm. with the world. That's right. Or at least or at least our little part of it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always like the, the Chloe reports, and I know we've talked about this uh, off mic before, that it is an interesting thing. And I guess maybe the Chloe series is not, maybe not unique in this aspect, but it is interesting because we can we can make a lot of these reports, um, and, and I think we should, right? I think they should be talked about. But they are moment in time sort of, um, I don't know, their wet finger in the wind, you know, kind of kind of um, polling of people, and then making sense of that, and then trying to look back and look forward at the same time, and that's that's challenging. Yeah, it is definitely a snapshot of of a moment in time, as you say, and this one happens to be, you know, in the in twenty twenty one, in the midst of you know what is still a, a pandemic response in many mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, you know, you can you can caveat it, I guess, with some of the results. But but even so, I do think this one, even more so than the 2021, which was even more skewed, yeah. um, is uh, is indicative of trends, and mm-hmm. um, it might it might be more useful and less easily dismissed as well. That's just you know remote instruction or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, like I don't know if you would completely agree with this, but I was thinking trying to compare this one with last year's, which I don't always do, but uh, I did this time. I was thinking that um, l- last year's was more focused on, as you say, there was this ubiquitous experience of remote instruction and then the beginnings of post-remote instruction, but still pandemic response. And this report, I'm just going to say, feels a little different to me in its scope and its tone and and apart from the insights would, would does it does that resonate with you yeah it does um and the others have written this but i think it's true that the the big thematic takeaway from chloe 7 is hybridity you know it's that mm-hmm. what we're looking at is um 
maybe less, okay, everybody's going to be online in the future to, uh, well, it's going to be a combination of mm -hmm. online and face-to-face -face as, as we move forward. And some of the, the practices and affordances that, that many faculty were exposed to for the first time through the pandemic may not get completely abandoned when they go back into the classroom. And so you're going to see this mixture of students taking different modalities and faculty teaching different modalities, whether it's fully online or it's blended or it's face-to-face. -face. It's going to be much more nuanced than uh, you're either online or you're face-to-face. -face. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think this, I don't know, I think this report feels a little bit more, I don't know if this is quite the right word, a little bit more holistic than Chloe 6. Chloe 6, in retrospect, um, felt a little bit like, late breaking news from the front lines. You know, it felt a little bit like that. And uh, here, let's just, let's just take as much as we can, make sense of, you know, this big idea, this thing, and we need to unpack it because people are desperate for insights. And this one felt a little bit more a little bit more thoughtful and like let's take a let's take a broader view here and yes i i tend to agree with you know what you summarized and that others have said about i think the big takeaway is is hybridity do you want to do you want to go down a few other big themes that have come out well uh, let this? me let me maybe just illustrate this hybridity because there's one chart in in chloe that i think really illustrates this and um if you're following along in your hymnals at home it's uh <laughs> it's page 10 mm. uh kind of table one and it's just, if you look at the hybrid row of this chart in 2019 versus what people think will happen in 2025, mm -hmm. these are chief online learning officer forecasts versus what actually happened via iPads. Mm -hmm. um, the number, the percentage of traditional age undergraduates that would be hybrid was 20% in 2019. Mm -hmm. To what they think will be will ninety four percent in twenty twenty five for adult undergraduates twenty five percent to ninety percent and graduate students ten percent to eighty two percent so there's a real sense that mm -hmm. we're going to have a hybrid university uh, in the future even more than we have today. Yeah, I, I I'm going to tell you that's 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 what stood out to me throughout, and I think that's a very good concrete example. Um, I think too, um, you know, just the there was also this. Um, if I remember correctly, I unlike you did not come to class prepared with my little printouts here, though. <laughs> you know, to reference, I'm kind of going off memory here. But you wrote the notes. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, there's that. But what did I base those on, Tom? <laughs> just coffee, just coffee. What I seem to recall is there being. I don't remember if it's in that same table or not, but there was a, a relatively low percentage predicted in that, is it 2025, predicted for exclusively online or exclusively in person. So that just to me further gave contrast to underscore your point. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't read all those numbers, but um, it, it's it's striking. Yes. Yeah. It's it, So those big percentages in hybrid are pulling from those other two categories. Exactly. I mean, it's single digits. Yes. Um, in um, In traditional age undergrads for campus only little or no online or online little or no campus those are just you know both below five percent the adult undergraduates campus little or no online or online little or no campus are both under 10 percent and in the case of the campus it's only one percent 
I mean, it, it, am I alone in this? It just is like, wait, what? Yeah, I know. Well, and then graduate students, um, little or no online, campus only, 1% is what's predicted. And then online is up to 17%. So yeah, I mean, that's a really good observation. So when it, when it says it's becoming hybrid, it's at the expense of both face-to-face -face and fully online. Yes. Now, caveat asterisk all over the place, right? I mean, is that reality? I, yeah. That's a prediction. It, yeah, it, it, it's definitely something to watch. Yeah, but I am fascinated. Now, you know, not to veer too much into the provincial here at, at our university context, but maybe just as a point of illustration, and we've talked about this before, um, but I would say at UCF, we, if that is at all reflective of reality and, and what's going to happen, we're pretty well poised here because this is our wheelhouse, right? Yeah. We, we have a... Uh, a real big historical investment in um, courses in a variety of digital learning modalities that students can choose to take fully online courses, blended, reduced seat time courses, in-person courses, web-enhanced courses, yeah. whatever they want. And we have our exclusively online, UCF Online, we call it, program. So I think this is this is something that we've been dealing with, but that's not everybody's context. No, in fact, it's so funny that that we're talking about this today because I was just talking about this in an email thread yesterday, and I shared an article uh, that was written in 2010 hmm. by Mark Perry at the Chronicle of Higher mm -hmm, Education, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, Mark had come down here and um, interviewed a bunch of people, and and the whole premise of the article, I think it's entitled um, "Tomorrow's College." Oh, I remember this. Yeah, um, and maybe we'll link to it in the show notes because yeah. I found the link yesterday Good. and I shared it in this, <laughs> in this email thread. Um, and it, it basically talks about that, how hmm. on-campus students are taking online and blended options mm -hmm. as a way to you know, better engage with on-campus activities. Mm -hmm. So whether you're like you know in Greek life or student government or you're an intercollegiate athlete or something, you're, you're able to take online courses to give yourself more flexibility to do stuff on campus. Mm -hmm. So this hybridity is something that I felt, at least Mark Perry felt, that we mm -hmm. were leading on mm -hmm. in, in 2010. Yeah. And um, when you look at this Chloe report, it, it seems like, you know, maybe this is becoming a lot more widespread. So, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to put too much into all of this, but it does make one pause for a second and take a breath like when i know plenty of institutions where whenever you say online you're talking about like a, a like a ucf online kind of a kind of a thing right you're exclusively online and and uh a lot of intense marketing and yeah. uh student well, support services there, there might and, be like a, a for-profit yeah. you know paradigm in your head when you yeah. think of that yeah that's right and so this if it's at all based in reality I mean, would you go this far with me? Sort of flies in the face of that a little bit. I mean, how do you make sense of that in the market? Well, I think it does. Um, and again, we'll see. We'll see maybe long-term implications of this. But the pandemic, again, as I've said, has shaken the snow globe up, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all of those little glitter pieces haven't quite settled yet. Yeah. They're still floating around. Um, it, it, a lot of people were exposed to 
well, we'll say remote learning that mm. had not previously ever taken an online class. And, um, you know, what that, what that does for their expectations, for um, how they want to take classes that maybe they didn't think about previously. Uh, some of this may be driven by, you know, student demand and, and institutions are going to have to meet students where they are or their students are going to go places that give them that kind of flexibility. What's your, what's your sports ball game metaphor, uh, skate to where the puck is going to be? That's right. Yes. Thank you, Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any any other highlights from the report that are worth calling out? There was one other that I thought was really interesting because we've talked about this just even recently mm-hmm. when we've talked about, again, other post-pandemic um, ramifications that we've all been dealing with. And, and one of those is a significantly increased demand on instructional design talent. Yes. And um, that's reflected in the Chloe Seven report as well, mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. with others as instructional technologists mm-hmm. and faculty mm-hmm. development and yeah. advising mm-hmm. and some others. But I just kind of pulled out the ID mm-hmm. um, uh, chart. So again, in your hymnals at home, it's on page <laughs> 19. Um, and it's broken down into a couple different categories. Um, instructional, and it compares 2019 to actuals in 2021. Mm-hmm. So this is not projecting like right, the last numbers, right, but right. this is 19 to 21. And um, it looks at instructional designers that are in sort of a centralized mm-hmm, unit, mm-hmm. instructional designers that are kind of more distributed in like colleges or mm-hmm. in local kind of um, organizations within an institution, and then outsourced IDs. So like, yeah. did you hire a company or something to, to yeah. do that? And then... Um, and then they have a total, sort of an aggregate number. So the, the bottom line here is in each one of these categories, it's pretty close to an increase over those two years of 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the total is exactly 20%. Mm-hmm. So give or take in each of those categories. But if you aggregate it up, it's a 20% increase. It's, it was a, it's a remarkable mm-hmm. increase in just two years in one job category. Yeah. And, and it's similar with the educational technologists that they that they call out. And um, it, I think it's it just a reality that we're going to have to face. I actually am encouraged by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if um, if we saw the kind of growth in online and blended learning mm-hmm. that is is not just seen but predicted, and we didn't have a yeah. you know a, a concomitant increase yeah. in instructional design, well, we're going to have an awful lot of bad courses out yeah, there, right? That, that, that's right. That's that. That's right. I think that's a very salient observation. Picking up on that thread for a second on a related topic about kind of quality, if I remember correctly, I jotted these notes down that um, there was some mention. I don't have my page numbers memorized like you do. Um, there was some mention of. You know, yes, we have a lot of course and program standards, but there's not as much like evaluating the actual efficacy of the implementation of those standards. Like, okay, standard 27, is it there? Yes, good, move on. But does standard 27 actually mean anything? Does it mm-hmm. have an effect? You know, well, and I, I joke a little bit about standard 27. It's really more of like the, you know, the whole the whole package. Like if you if you've done well on the the holistically on you know these these standards does that make a difference in the course does it make a difference for the students and i that's a that's been a bit of a perpetual criticism we all sort of trust um that that makes a difference but okay fair fair point for quality's sake we should be examining that 
Yeah, and in the absence of anything else, I mean, right. we have the standards, right? You know, right. we've got really good ones out there, like Quality Matters or the, you know, the Oscar or mm-hmm. what, you know, mm-hmm. the OLC scorecards. Up C has got scorecards. Yep. You know, yep. there, there's good, good, there are good tools out yep. there, and um, yeah, could they be improved? I'm sure. Uh, could the actual implementation of it? I, I would like to see it. I think this is what you're getting at. As, as less a box checking exercise and more as a holistic awareness of what good instruction is, right? Mm-hmm. And and, mm-hmm. and have an intentionality to build a good course as opposed to, I just got to check boxes. Yeah, I remember uh, reading, well, I'll dig it out and stick it in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to completely butcher this insight, but I remember reading this um, paper by Tanya Justin and Rachel Casadas uh, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, I think. And one of the the biggest takeaways that I recall uh, into the uh, research article was that actual having design um, interventions is the biggest differentiator you can have to to, to like good outcomes yeah, like success duh. or whatever. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like, well, thank you. I'm glad to see that in yeah. writing somewhere. Yeah. That's 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 good. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of signal noise kind of stuff. A lot of but. If you zoom out and you go, well, we can say this. If you actually have good design, yeah. good good results. I'll, I'll put that in there. And then, you know, maybe related to that is um, I think the the uh, report authors note that while we have a lot of standards around course and program design, there's not as much work done in articulating, uh, say, through standards, uh, effective practices around student services. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one that I think we all know is the OLC yeah. scorecard, which, again, shout out to State University System of Florida. Yeah, um, uh, Vicki Brown at uh, at FAU sort of led that. Josh Striggle. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. And um, um, that's, a, that's a really good tool, and um, I, I would recommend people look at that um, if they want to start, um, you know, this whole idea of what is good student services for online students. Yeah, I think I think that's good. I think that's good. So the title of this Chloe report, moving from mainstream acceptance to universal adoption. I don't think we're quite there. So I think no. the key word in that is moving. moving. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Way, to, way to identify the key word. That's right. right. There. Yeah, was, that moving is doing a lot of work in that title. But, but I think it's accurate. I, I mean, mm. it does reflect, I think, this evolution. And if you go back and you look at all of these yes. in the past, you can definitely see the oh. trend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Any, <laughs> at the risk of going down too much of a rabbit trail, any further comment about kind of the you know, the place of, like, reports like this that purport to have some kind of a predictive value? Yeah, I mean, you can... You can argue both sides of that, that, you know, this is, you know, again, you know, when you're looking at 2025, um, that it's very speculative. Um, who who would have predicted what happened to us in 2020? Very know, few people. Very few, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um, but I think they're useful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're useful in, in two ways. One in, because when you're in the middle of a trend, you may not be able to see it. But if you mm-hmm. just keep track and you can kind of step back and look at the forest instead of just an individual tree and you realize, oh, my gosh, um, this is a thing that's happening. And based upon that, you can kind of potentially predict where things are going in the future, like to use your Gretzky, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to go where the puck is. And um, 
prepare your organizations, your institutions to try to meet the demand in the future. Because I think a lot of people ended up playing catch up during the pandemic. And, you know, we had a lot of Zoom school. Yeah. And again, you know, no fault to anybody because mm-hmm. it was it was just a reality. Mm-hmm. But I think if if people had their <laughs> their preference, it would have been let's do this in a deliberate, intentional, yeah. high quality, yeah. planned way instead of instead of you know reacting. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, two shout outs come to mind. Uh, one, uh, you actually. I think you used a phrase a little bit ago. Uh, I think you might have said hybrid university. So shout out to our our colleagues and friends, Tanya Justin and Tony Picciano, who've written about um, the blended university of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll dig some of um, that work out and put it in the show notes if you don't know. They have know a, it. a recent book Tanya um, was leading. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to get an early preview of that. Um, yeah, that, I think it points to not just the um, the online instruction, right. you know, the hybrid instruction to, right. this, to the, what we just talked about, the student services side of things. That's right. um, it covers all kinds of things. And I would even say it extends beyond that to, um, you know, can you pay your bills online? Do you, can you um, do everything that you need to do multimodal uh, at an institution? Yeah, I think that, I think that's right. The other shout out that comes to mind, we've talked, we've ended up talking, uh, somewhat in this episode about the the power of design and intentionality and, and deliberateness. And I'm reminded of our uh, conversation with Shannon Riggs, um, which the episode title and number escaped me at the moment, but has design right in the title. And uh, uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well, if you're not familiar. Cool. All right. So do you think maybe we should you land, know, the plane. land the plane? Yeah. So uh, let me see if I can take a shot at summarizing here. So reports like Chloe help us individually make sense of trends and opportunities in our field so that we can make better, more informed decisions about how to carry out our daily work. Mm -hmm. Discussing these insights and decisions with colleagues helps us move our field forward collectively. And we can put on those skates Mm -hmm. and uh, try to skate to where the puck is going because we want to score that goal. I'll stretch this metaphor. We've used baseball. We've used hockey. Maybe I can throw some other sports in there. Badminton, something. No, that, I think that's. I think that's right. I think. I think that all that is accurate. Um, yeah, and so, I, like so many things we talk about in the podcast, the the more that we can uh, share and talk about with others, I think we we advance collectively. I think that's exactly right, uh, for sure. Um, maybe one quick reminder, uh, as you said at the beginning of the episode, hey, we'd love to hear your insights. So we talked about predictive and reflective, right? We'd love to hear your insights on 2022 going into 2023. Hey, just record them on your phone or something, right? And email them to us or write up a little thing. We'd love to hear from you and we'll try to feature some of those in our December 2022 episode. So that would be a, a good thing. So that's been a good conversation. I hope you liked the coffee. I did. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, just to underscore the 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 call for for input from people even if it's if you don't have time to record something right now just yeah. send it to us in an email yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's and, right and then we'll we'll figure it out later we'll have ooh man of a thousand voices tom Kavanaugh, could vary uh his delivery uh like this one is going to be in my little old man voice yeah this one is going to be in my a pirate uh, or something yeah my cartoon squirrel voice <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if that's what it'll take, that's, yes. Boy, listenership's going to be up for that December say, episode or now. down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on on that note, thanks thanks for listening, thanks for the conversation, and until next time for Topcast, I'm Kelvin and I'm Tom. See ya.